Black Friday, Cyber Monday, wherever you are this week, you're being blasted with ads for big end of year sales because it's that time where everything you want seems so irresistible, even if you don't have the cash and you don't have to miss out because there's always buy now, pay later. It's only been around for a few years, but it's completely changed the shopping experience for so many young Australians. Afterpay, Zippay, Klarna, they make it so easy to get what you want immediately and worry about the money part down the track a bit. But while most people have a pretty positive experience, a lot of young Australians are getting into serious financial trouble. They're racking up debts with different services, they're struggling to get on top of it, and sometimes they're being forced to go without food and shelter because they need to pay the money back. In a minute, we're going to speak with the Financial Services Minister about some new laws that the government wants to introduce. It wants credit checks before you're allowed to sign up to these services to stop people getting credit they can't afford. But first, Ellie Grounds has been speaking with some of those caught up in this. And I was just scrolling through the transactions. It felt like for a lifetime. You could just see all these transactions and I was like, oh my God, I can't believe I spent that much money on Afterpay without even realising. When Hannah was younger, her cousin always looked so good. A new outfit basically every weekend. And Hannah never knew how she could afford it. But then her cousin told her her secret. Afterpay. So, not long after she turned 18... Hannah signed up for her own account. Within the space of like a year, I think I had spent about 8000 No, it must have been more. Maybe around the $10,000 mark or something like that. She was using all kinds of buy now, pay later services. Some I'd never even heard of. When it was really, really bad. So I was using Afterpay, ZipPay, WeMoney, BeforePay. And it got to the point where she'd prioritise spending money on unnecessary crap using those services over essentials like petrol and food. Sometimes, like, I would drive to work and then if I knew that I, I had, like, a split shift or something, I would just stay there and just spend ages there because I didn't have enough fuel to drive home and come back. Or if I didn't have the money, I'd just literally either buy, like, a zip pay gift card or an afterpay gift card. And then all of a sudden, I had all these Woolies and zip pay gift cards. She reckons having access to so much more money than was actually in her bank account almost cast a spell over her. But it felt like I didn't have a choice. Like, it felt like I was almost compelled to have to spend that money. It was, it was a really weird feeling. Like, I literally felt like I had no financial control. Hannah is not alone. New research from Monash University shows more than half, or 53.2% of young people in Australia, used a buy now, pay later service. Perhaps the most striking figure is that 76% of those who experience financial difficulties were more likely to use buy now, pay later. This is Professor Lucas Walsh. He's the director of the Monash Centre for Youth Policy and Education Practice. I asked him, does that mean people who are already having money troubles are more likely to use it? or using it gets people into financial strife. I suspect it's both. So you'll you'll get people who are struggling to keep up and need that additional finance and use it. And you'll find those that are using it and basically lose control of it, lose control of their finances. Like Hannah, 26-year-old Gabby knows what it's like to fall down the afterpay rabbit hole. She started using it basically as soon as she turned 18 and things got away from her pretty quickly. And a few years later, she reached an interesting milestone. You know, I was named one of their top 200, you know, loyal customers, I'd say. 
Um, and they actually gave me a $100 red balloon gift voucher because of it. So I guess it's kind of an encouragement to use their service. <laughs> uh, at first, I felt kind of special, but um, then it made me realise, is it something that I should be using? You know, for me to be loyal, how much am I using? How much is everybody else using, you know, in comparison to me? I hate to say it, but is this just going to make older people say, oh, young people are just materialistic and not financially responsible? The most unhelpful image vote in relation to young people was the smashed avocado. The smashed avo really reproduces a stereotype that young people are out of control and they're self-indulgent and our research points out that this is just simply not true. Lucas says young people aren't necessarily reckless. Instead, these stats come down to two main things. Not enough financial education and the fact that right now, shit is expensive. They just find themselves in situations where perhaps they didn't understand the kind of financial arrangement they were getting into or where they're actually in desperate times because, you know, we're seeing a lot of young Australians struggling. They are typically disproportionately affected by economic downturns. We've seen that from previous recessions and we're seeing significant proportions of them going without access to healthy regular food. The job market is a bit more insecure. And so these are going to have flow-on effects on their financial decisions. Hannah and Gabby both eventually paid off their debts and closed off their buy-now-pay-later accounts. But within the year, both of them had started using them again, although they reckon way less often and way more responsibly. Hannah reckons a couple things could have prevented that financial spiral that started when she was 18. More open conversations about money, less taboos talking about it or asking for help and much better financial education in school. So she had all the facts about what could happen. The people that I know that are really good with money generally haven't even touched those types of platforms. And if they have, it's for literally a one-off purchase. Not they've, not, they've not just said, oh, it's just for a one-off purchase and then all of a sudden it's 500. Hack on Triple J. Ellie Grounds reporting there. And if you're really struggling with money management, you can call the National Debt Helpline. It's on 1800 007 007. Some messages coming through on the Triple J text line. Someone says, used to work in a retail store where they told us to get customers to sign up to buy for, to sign up for buy now, pay later services if they couldn't afford the product there and then. On Instagram, Kate says, Afterpay is just credit for the next generation. It's making people rely on someone else's money. Dylan says, I feel like people need to be more accountable for their own actions. If you can't afford something really expensive, maybe you shouldn't use these services. And another person says, my ex-partner had racked up nearly a grand in buy now, pay later debt. She was a uni student living overseas, working less than 20 hours a week and not able to pay the service loan at all. I ended up paying the debt because it was racking up dishonour fees. Look, the government wants new laws to better protect people, to make buy now, pay later companies be subjected to the same rules as credit card providers. I want to get some more details on this. Stephen Jones is the Financial Services Minister and he's with us now. Minister, welcome to Hack. Good to be with you. These new rules that the government wants to bring in, what exactly are they? How would they protect people? Look, it's about ensuring that consumers, if they're getting credit products pitched at them, that they're appropriate and that there's a level playing field. Um, At the moment, uh, you've got uh, credit cards that are regulated under the National Consumer Credit Act and you've got uh, buy now, pay later products, which for most users look just the same and operate in just the same way, except they're regulated very differently, if at all. 
What we want to do is ensure that there's a safe level of protection, a safe level of regulation to ensure that you don't have inappropriate lending practices by BNPL operators. There are a few different options being considered, though. How will the government decide which one to go with? Genuine consultation with industry. Bear in mind that most of the loans, if you like, or most of the credit operated under these products are for small amounts, a couple of hundred dollars is the average purchase. This is not like getting a home loan. So the sorts of risk management, if you like, or the sorts of regulation should be appropriate to the size of the loan. Starting from the position that credit checks should be put in place and that uh, some assessment of the appropriateness and suitability of the product to the customer that is using it should also be put in place. We are hearing, obviously, some concerning stories, but I'm wondering how big of a problem this is, because We've heard from Afterpay, for instance, they've talked to Hack and said that in the previous quarter this year, 95% of instalments were paid on time. 98% of purchases did not incur late fees. So is it a big problem? Look, there are issues and I hear from consumer groups telling me that they are regularly dealing with clients who've got multiple buy now, pay later accounts that have been inappropriately provided to them um, and that they're caught in debt traps and cycles that they just can't get out of. And one of the reasons for that is lack of uh, credit controls on these providers. It's exactly why we're having the consultation. It's exactly why we're looking at this. There was a Senate inquiry a couple of years ago, though, and it recommended not to regulate these buy now, pay later services. And, you know, in your own press release, you say the industry's code of practice has worked well to date. So why is it being considered now? To be honest, I didn't agree with the the Senate committee inquiry of a couple of years ago, and we've seen significant changes that have occurred since then over the last two years alone an additional 2 million buy now, pay later accounts have been added. The majority of them are for people aged between 18 and 35 years of age. But I'll just give you one story which really ticked it over for me. I walked into my doctor surgery uh, about a year ago and on the counter there were three signs and above the sign it was, we'll accept any of these payment methods. One was Visa card, one was MasterCard and the other one was Afterpay. Now, two of those products are regulated as a credit under the National Credit Act, and the other one isn't. They're all treated the same from a consumer point of view, but the way the law deals with those things, those products is very, very different. And I think there's a prima facie case to say we should be treating similar credit products in a similar way. I guess there is a concern, though, that a lot of young people out there are using these services increasingly for essential products, things like food, um, you know, just to get by. Could this move have a really unintended consequence of leaving young people with no access to support in between paychecks? No. uh, And, you know, if Afterpay is right and 95% of their people using their product, for example, to smooth their income over the course of a month, uh, if they're right that 95% of people are paying on time and there's no, not a big issue with default, then there'll be no change. But my issue in all of this is to ensure that uh, we have appropriate levels of consumer credit checks in place, that we have appropriate levels of lending behaviour, 
and that we ensure that light products are, are regulated in a similar way. You're listening to Hack. I'm Dave Marchese speaking with the Financial Services Minister Stephen Jones about uh, potential new laws the government wants to bring in targeting buy now, pay later services. Minister, we've got a few messages saying similar things here. Blair on Instagram says, what's contributing to building debt is unaffordable living costs, unreasonable wages. Is this announcement from the government a bit of a distraction when, as Blair says, the real issue is so many young Australians just can't afford to get by at the moment? It's not like this is the only thing we're doing to deal with the pressures around cost of living. We've got a bill before the Senate at the moment being strongly resisted by the Coalition and others to get wages moving because there are two sides to the cost of living squeeze. One is prices going up and the other one is wages but staying flat or going backwards. We want to ensure that we're getting wages moving again. And that's why our industri- what our industrial relations reforms are all aimed at. Uh, we hope that the coalition and opposition parties that get on board to support us in that because it's exactly the circumstance for people like Blair that we're aimed at, ensuring that we can help them meet with their cost of living pressures. All right, Minister, we're going to have to leave it there. Financial Services Minister Stephen Jones, thanks for joining us on Hack. Great to be with you. Hack. On Triple J. And we've got a lot of messages coming through. Someone says, I work for an auto repairer that offers zip pay, but we typically only see people using it for luxury modifications rather than urgent repairs. Another person, Hoshi from Bunbury in WA, says, sad reality, but I've had to use buy now, pay later services to get medication. Really bad feeling but I could not have afforded it up front. Look, I want to focus more on the practical side of things now. And with us is Melissa Brown, a financial educator, financial wellbeing advocate. Melissa, thanks for joining us on Hack. Oh, you're so welcome. What do you think, just quickly, of the government's plan to make buy now, pay later services deal with stricter rules? I think it can't come uh, soon enough. I think, uh, let's be honest, uh, people like uh, the guys that started Afterpay, they are now billionaires. They didn't start this out of the goodness out of, of their own heart. And I, for me, it's about shoring it up so that pe- the consumers are ultimately protected. What should people do if they think they've got a problem, if they are seeing themselves in these debt spirals? How do you get out of it? So the first thing you want to do is get rid of it and decide from today to stop using it. Um, and if you're thinking it's just a budgeting tool, if I head to Afterpay's own website, it says that your average spend is going to go up by 20%. So even if there's no fees or charges, you're going to spend more. So just decide today that's enough and I'm going to stop using it. But then, of course, it's, well, how do I find those extra dollars to pay for that debt and to pay for the cost of living as well? Um, And that's where technology can actually be helpful. So there are apps that exist for food, for example. So Frugal and Half Price are two apps that you could go to to help you save on the cost of food. Uh, You might go to a house sitting or a pet sitting site and get rid of the entire cost of your housing. So yes, you may make choices in the, the short term of what am I prepared to suffer for to get rid of this debt, but I think it's really important for people to be aware they have real choice. Do you think part of the issue here, Melissa, is that there is this taboo? Like we're getting a lot of messages through with people saying, you know, our parents never spoke about money. It was taboo. Yeah. And now I've had like credit cards, afterpay, the whole lot, and I've struggled. But, you know, we want to break the cycle. Is that part of the issue? It absolutely is. And we're also in a time of global declining financial literacy. You know, in Australia, the latest Hilda report says 45% of us are financially illiterate. And yet we have this tsunami of financial products being sold to us 
And we have to try and make sense of that when we can't even answer a question around what is compound interest. So I think financial education is so important Um, and having conversations about money, not being scared to say to your friend, gee, how are you affording that? Because it seems like you're really leaning on and doing some spending at the moment. Very interesting stuff. You've got a lot of tips. You've written about this, finding money communities, talking with your friends about your financial wins, but also your financial losses. It's really important advice. Financial educator, Melissa Brown, thank you so much for joining us on Hack. You're so welcome. And we've got a lot of messages coming through. Simone says, a buy now, pay later service helped me buy a phone. It was more cost effective to buy it outright with the monthly fees than to use a credit card to get on a mobile phone plan. Another person, Harry in Melbourne, if you can't afford it, just don't buy it. It's as simple as that. And Hayden says, I used ZipPay for a few months, spent way too much, and the monthly fees caught me off guard. I now just use Afterpay and I make the four easy payments. That's all I do. Hack on Triple J.